What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Last night I was, uh, I believe, prompted by the Holy Spirit to preach on a topic that I'm not going to take pleasure in, that I didn't take pleasure in preaching on at the 6 p.m. either. And it is regarding uh, the month that this government has called Pride Month, but we in the church know it's the month of the Sacred Heart. And I want to speak specifically on one issue that uh, comes with this month, uh, at least is paraded as a good thing, but we acknowledge as an evil that needs to be handled handled tenderly, but yet with conviction, and that is the issue of transgenderism. And so what I want to do with this is first acknowledge I'm not an expert, but that doesn't mean that I should not address the topic. In fact, that's part of the problem is that only the experts can talk about this. And so then those who know maybe not what a counterfeit bill is made of, so to speak, but that it is a counterfeit, or know that maybe not all the ins and outs of what exactly is the problem or the details of the transgender issue, but know that this is not God's plan or not speaking. But after speaking in this homily about what it is that the church says, I want to give a snapshot of a different angle of approach to this issue, not an all-encompassing angle, but a different one. That is the philosophical angle of how we've gotten here. And then one angle of, of approach, not an all-encompassing angle, of what we can do about this. So first, what is it that the church thinks about the issue of transgenderism? I'm going to quote a figure who is often trumpeted by the media as someone who is um, open to uh, very, um, very unnatural movements um, within human nature, and that is Pope Francis. Pope Francis, in his encyclical Laudato Si, in chapter, I mean, paragraph 155, says this about our bodies. The acceptance of our bodies as God's gift is vital for welcoming and accepting the entire world as a gift from the Father and our common home. Whereas thinking that we enjoy absolute power over our own bodies turns often subtly into thinking that we enjoy absolute power over creation. Also, valuing one's own body and its femininity or masculinity is necessary if I'm going to be able to recognize myself in an encounter with someone who is different. In this way, we can joyfully accept the specific gifts of another man or woman, the work of God the Creator, and find mutual enrichment. It is not a healthy attitude which would seek to cancel out sexual difference because it no longer knows how to confront it. 
before pressing forward, I only seek to address the issue. I don't seek to condemn or to judge, but to bring into light what has been spoken in the darkness. But if God has created us in his own image and likeness, which we know from divine revelation, we know that God did not make mistakes in creating us. If that is the case, then God did not put anyone on this earth, any soul, in a wrongly gendered body. But I think that we can all acknowledge that we've all been placed in a wrong culture. We've all been placed in a culture that defines masculinity and femininity in very, in very stereotypical, in very strict, narrow understanding that can alienate and isolate those who do not fit these categories. A culture that is subject to bullying and exclusion because it seeks belonging outside of God, because it seeks belonging outside of God can only determine its parameters by excluding others. And so I want to then talk about how we've kind of ended up here from one man's perspective, a, name, a man named Carl Truman, who writes a book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. It's a wonderful read. It's more heady. It's about a 13-hour-and-a-half listen on Audible. Um, and so I assume that not everyone would give this a listen. But I also would recommend, if you would like something more approachable, something uh, easily digestible, and I recommend equally, is Matt Frad's podcast, Pints with Aquinas, with Jason Everett as a guest. And then to go on his website, chastity.com, for resources. But we can look at this past month and say, when did this all start? Did it start a couple of years ago whenever Google Calendar put it on our smartphones? But Carl Truman has a very interesting take. That this, the issue of transgenderism is an isolated, narrow thing that maybe one side of politics will just point its nose up, up, point its nose up at and say that it's gross. But this started, this mode of thinking is fundamental and started in the 1500s with a figure that we know as Rene Descartes. Rene Descartes was a mathematician and a philosopher who whose philosophy can be summarized in one pithy statement in the Latin, cogito ergo sum, or as we know in English, I think, therefore I am. And what Rene Descartes did was that he defined his own existence based off of his own subjectivity, the own way that he perceived himself, not looking at his own body or the surroundings that were around him, but rather his own opinion of himself. And so subtly ruptured this understanding of himself in relationship to the world. This continued, this philosophical baton, so to speak, has been passed down by other thinkers, such as one we know as Jean-Jacques Rousseau in the 1700s, who looked at man as a noble savage, that is, 
If man does not exist in society, then there is no evil. But it's only when man comes into society that evils start to exist. So Jean-Jacques Rousseau began to shift the problem of man from the heart of man, as St. Augustine would have it, or as the Catholic Church would have it, as what we call concupiscence, or the desire for evil that lies within the heart of every man, and shifted it away from man to say that man is not the problem, but rather the institutions of society, whether that be the government, or the church, or the patriarchy. And then in these latter days, the problem of not only the economy, but what some would say that gender itself is a social construct and must be overthrown if man is to find any liberation and any solace. The problem with this, as Pope Francis has pointed out, is that the acceptance of our bodies as God's gift is vital for welcoming and accepting the entire world as a gift from the Father and our common home. It's vital, our own bodily acceptance, for welcoming and accepting the entire world as a gift from the Father in our common home. What this philosophy has done, dating all the way to 500 years ago, is begun to alienate us from our surroundings, from others, from our institutions, from our families, and now with this latest chapter in the transgender movement, from our own selves and our own gender and thus our own identity. And so what the Pope is trying to do here is that he's trying to bring us back, bring us back into ourselves. And so the simple, not all-encompassing approach that must be taken here is not to say with one side that this is gross if you struggle with this, it's weird, and that you have to just get over it. Or the other side that says, yes, it is burdensome that you struggle with this gender dysphoria. Let us confirm this for you, and in doing so, make reality not a gift, but a burden to flee from. But in the middle, there's the summit and the high road of the cross, in which we accept our limitations and our sufferings as God himself accepts limitations and sufferings on the cross. To acknowledge that this life will not be perfect, but that God has created us in his image and likeness to glorify him with our bodies that he gave us. The problem is not that we were born in the wrong bodies, but it is that we are born in a broken culture, and that if we desire to feel at home, which is the desire of every heart, it means accepting God from God's providential hand what he has given us, and that which he has given us fundamentally is our bodies, so that we can accept the whole world as a gift. What also does this mean? It means for us as Catholics that we cannot in good conscience deliberately support anyone, uh, any company, 
um, in this cause. We can and we should and we are obligated to accompany those who do struggle, but we cannot support the cause that would reaffirm a fundamental suspicion towards reality and how God has made us to be with something so fundamental as our gender that tells us our identity. In conclusion, this is an issue of not just gender, not what might what some might find repulsive and or what others might find political. This is an issue that has to do with our fundamental communion with God, our fundamental identity, so that we not be removed from ourselves, and in being removed from ourselves, being removed from our Creator. God has created us to be temples of His Holy Spirit with our bodies. He loves us. He desires to dwell with us. He desires to share his mercy and his life with all. And he desires us to accompany those, including ourselves, who also, as we all struggle with our identity and relationship to him, but that our identity is ultimately found in Christ Jesus, who loves, suffers, and dies for us so that we can have life with him.